Hello, I'm Jeffrey Mishlove, and once again, I come to you with nothing on my mind. And uh, <laughs> nothing is actually a very vibrant quality uh, for something to possess. Out of nothingness, the whole universe was born. And nothing, when I have nothing on my mind, that means that whatever I'm going to say to you is not going to come from the top of my you know, cerebral cortex. It's going to come from somewhere else, a deeper level, let us hope. That's the possibility when I have no agenda. And uh, but I do have at least a thought, you know, a hook, a start. And, and that is that uh, the thought occurred to me, there is nothing more important than nothing. Well, how could that be? How can nothing be more important, for example, than something? And I guess it takes us to Buddhism because it was the Buddha who said he was completely indifferent. Didn't matter to him whether he was alive or dead. Being and non-being, it's all the same. Well, that doesn't make nothing more important than something. It means that nothing and something are about of equal value. But what if nothing were of much more value than something? Or to put it more subtly, what if <laughs> the things that society tells you are nothing are the most important of all. Now, for some of you, that may be God. There are certainly many, many people, authority figures in society who will tell you, God, God doesn't exist. There is no God. That's nothing. UFOs? UFOs don't exist. That's nothing. Psychic phenomena, psychic phenomena. <laughs> it's all fantasy. That's nothing. Witchcraft, there's nothing to it whatsoever. All the things that uh, the mainstream scoffers would tell you there's nothing to it. Well, sometimes they're right. Sometimes there is nothing. To it. I don't know uh, any glaring examples, but I'm sure we could come up with <laughs> some. I, for example, they say cold fusion. There's nothing to that. And I'm not so sure. I keep hearing rumors that pretty soon we're going to have uh, cold fusion generators in every household. So, the things that people tell you are nothing can be sometimes the most important. Now, let's take UFOs. As an example, UFOs are interesting because, uh, especially uh, according to the research of Jacques Vallée and others, they've been around as long as recorded history. There have been uh, mysterious aerial phenomena in the sky going on for a long, long time. And Jacques Vallée suggests that what's really taking place with these aerial phenomenon, it's a sort of a social control system. Some entity is attempting to control the human race by influencing us at an unconscious level, at the mythological level, the level of mythos. And how better to affect the human race at the level of mythos than to create phenomena that are totally ignored by the mainstream? They're just nothing. 
<laughs> now, we know uh, actually recently the military has been investigating UFOs simply to determine whether or not they pose a military threat. And apparently they don't. So they're nothing. They're nothing again. <laughs> but if you had, if you had a long term perspective, if you were thinking about the evolution of the human species, not in terms of year by year, decade by decade, but perhaps in terms of millennia by millennia, or at least century by century, then you might have a completely different perspective in terms of how you're influencing the human race with these interactions that are completely ignored by the mainstream, overlooked entirely. It could be that the things that the mainstream regard as nothing are far more important than the things that the mainstream regards as crucial. Well, for example, war, war and peace seems like, you know, from a mainstream perspective, that's real important, serious stuff, war and peace. I mean, people die. But, and, and to be fair, wars shape cultures, wars shape civilization. But so do things that are supposedly nothing. So do religions. So do people's encounters with the unknown shape entire cultures, entire civilizations, probably more so than wars. I mean, for example, look at the Christian, Judeo-Christian Western civilization that we know. It's experienced many wars. Wars come and go. But the deeper aspects of the civilization persist. But I can take nothing, I think, a step deeper because for each of us, and certainly for me, nothingness means, well, it means my own potential annihilation at death. I mean, now I'm, I'm alive. I'm in my body. I have a pacemaker. I feel energized. <laughs> there is a sense of hilarity, <laughs> even. I love this. This is great. This is alive. But what happens? What, what, I mean, if nothing happens, if the complete oblivion, complete annihilation of ego, of self, of consciousness, of experience, or what philosophers call qualia. Well, is that so bad? I experience that every night, actually, in a deep sleep. And I might just mention, parenthetically, it's worth saying, because I've talked quite a bit about dreaming, and, and that is I've found I'm not dreaming lately. <laughs> I think it may have to do with the new style of uh, PAP machine, positive air pressure. Well, I have the latest, greatest model, and it's, I don't know, it's a BiPAP or a TriPAP or uh, something way advanced above CPAP. But in any case, it kind of takes over my consciousness when I'm asleep. And I don't dream. I haven't been dreaming now uh, since I got this machine, uh, I don't know, six weeks ago or so. But uh, so I am experienced every night. I, I experience a kind of nothingness, total oblivion. And then I wake up every morning. 
So I know it wasn't really nothing. I mean, really nothing you don't wake up from. And I can understand if, if that's the Buddhist idea of nirvana. Not only is it not so bad, but who knows what mysteries lie deeply embedded in that nothingness. We know from physics that the vacuum state can be very, very dynamic. And I suspect that what we think of as absolute nothingness, nothing beyond nothing, beyond nothing, beyond nothing, beyond nothing, the, the, the final emptiness of nothingness, well, in a way, that's what the Buddhists call the highest stages of nirvana. It's, it's a state so elevated, so exalted, that we can hardly begin to comprehend it. Isn't that paradoxical? And it kind of makes me smile. I mean, <laughs> I suppose if I'm trying to conjure up an image of something really distasteful, it might be like eternal pain. You know, the fires of hell for all eternity. That That's probably about as bad as it gets. But that's very far from nothingness. Nothingness would be a great relief compared to that sort of pain. And, and yet the irony is the pains of hell, uh, well, they're described as eternal, but it, it strikes me that nothing of quality, nothing that has qualities about it is going to be eternal. Anything that has a quality is going to have a limited lifetime. This too shall pass. No quality, even infinite pain, is going to be sustained for all eternity. That's my suspicion. <laughs> And nor am I aware of, of any reason to subscribe to the idea of an eternity in hell. I think it's a myth conjured up by religious people in order to scare other people into behaving. And apparently, it's worked quite well. Now, I can say it's never worked on me. But then again, I was raised Jewish, and the idea of hell was never part of my religious upbringing. Even the idea of absolute evil or Satan, <laughs> none of that was part of my religious upbringing. It's kind of almost an alien concept to me. Okay, what is the lesson for you in all of this talk about nothing? Do you appreciate nothingness in your life? I mean, how can you appreciate nothingness in your life? That's kind of a silly question, isn't it? I mean, we're all alive. There's always something. But don't we partake of being and non-being simultaneously? Isn't that in a way, the, the great mystery of being human. We are here in the realm of something. But there's a part of us, a metaphysical part of our consciousness that exists 
I'm going to say outside of space and time. Now, I know that's a controversial idea that, that such a thing is even possible, but let us suggest for a moment that it is, that we have a dual nature. We are both something and nothing simultaneously. Can we acknowledge the nothingness within us? Can we acknowledge that place that is so deep, so deep as to be partaking of the ultimate final stage of nirvana? exists within each of us. Can we acknowledge that? Are you able to acknowledge that within yourself? That's my question for you. <laughs> and the beauty is, you could say, oh no, I, <laughs> there's nothing to it. There's nothingness. There's nothing to it at all. <laughs> I'll leave you with that thought. And thank you once again for being with me.